0: Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermons podcast. Today's sermon is brought to you by founding pastor Ken Warline and was recorded on Sunday, March fifth, twenty twenty-three. And hey, if you're ever in the area, join us on Sunday on campus at nine a.m. or eleven a.m. and come say hi in person. You could also follow us on Instagram at, at @faithbridge to see what goes on during the week. And as always, you can join us every Sunday for our online service called FaithBridge Live at faithbridge.org/live. Here's Ken.
1: Well, good morning, welcome in this room, welcome in the communion venue, welcome online, however it is that you're here. We're really glad that you're here. Why don't you take your Bibles and we'll go to 1 Corinthians 12 today. 1 Corinthians 12, that's in the New Testament. If you need to use the table of contents, don't hesitate to do so. And I see the ushers are in the aisles. If you need a Bible, they'd be happy to spot you one. It's our gift to you if you need one as well. If you're new, uh, I hope that you've already been picking up from what was said earlier that there is really something exciting going on here. It's not because we're launching any new program or starting out on a new mission. It's not that we're moving into a building project. It's simply because the Spirit of God is here in our midst and he's working we've been praying for revival since the turn of the new year we and about at least 60 other churches i know of in the greater houston area a lot of them up in the northwest part of the city and god has been blessing and there's nothing better than being in the presence of the lord amen yeah and so praise the lord So God's doing a good thing, and you got to hear about the great thing that he did last week. J.D., my friend, came and told you about what my son William and I uh, uh, got to experience and what I was going to talk with you about last week up at Asbury uh, in Wilmore, Kentucky with the revival uh, up there that has been quite a catalyst. And so many of you told me, you know, we did, we're not happy you got COVID, but uh, it was sure good to get to hear JD. And I said, yeah, I get it. I, I enjoy, I watched both street, I watched both services and just loved every bit of it. And he and I were texting even before the service today. And he said, I just loved being at Faith Bridge. It's such a kingdom-minded church. I didn't write back, but I thought, oh, it won't be the last time you're here. You don't, just don't know how I work yet. <laughs> and so um, I'm so glad that you got to enjoy him and he, uh, us. And um, so uh, these are the things that have been going on. now uh, framing it up further, if you're, if you're new, uh, we're in a year-long study of the book of Acts. Which begs the question, why did I tell you to turn to First Corinthians? Because we're doing a little mini-series on the spiritual gifts. With all of the uh, talk that we're doing about the Holy Spirit, we thought, you know, we should just pull off to the side of the road and talk for just a few weeks about the spiritual gifts that the Lord puts inside of us. See, when you trusted in Christ, His Holy Spirit came to live inside of you, but He didn't come alone. He brought with Him... A gift or two or three that he puts in each of us like a deposit. And he intends for us to use those gifts that he's put within us. And so I wonder, did any of you do the spiritual gifts inventory that Pastor Dan put up on the QR code? Raise your hand yeah, some of you. okay, good, good. All right. Others of you, you missed out, but the but by the end of the day, you'll be caught up, and we're going to get you there. So that's what we're going to talk about uh, for the next few minutes, understanding these gifts that he's put within us. Look at First Corinthians twelve, starting in verse twenty seven, says, "Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you, is part of it. If you could read the original language, Paul is using the plural of you. So if he were a Texan, he would say, now y'all are part of the body of Christ. That's what he was saying. You and you and you and you and me and all of us, you are part of the body of Christ. Go back to to, uh, verse 12. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of his many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For, if we were, for we were baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews, Gentiles, slaves, or free, and we were given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many parts. That leads to the first of four things that I want us to notice from our passage today. The first is this. You and I... Together, we, y'all, we comprise Christ's body here on earth, the body of Jesus here on earth. You notice Paul's not using a literary device called metaphor or simile. He's not saying it's as if, it's like you are the body of Christ. No, he's saying, no, no, literally. Now that Christ's literal body has gone back to heaven... He says, so what is left here? Through the power of the Holy Spirit working in you and you and you and you and you. We make the body of Christ here on earth. That's what Acts has been telling us. That there's no plan B. It's not like, well, if y'all don't come through, this is how I'll sort of get the message out there. No, 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 we are plan A and that's the only plan that there is. So he's saying, you are the hands and you are the feet and you are the arms and you are the mouthpiece and you are the body of Christ here on earth. And many of you already know that. You've stepped into that. And I saw that even this morning when I was getting here. And there were several cars out there. And they were unloading uh, the donuts that they were bringing in from the bakery this morning to get set up. Uh, And starting with the coffee and others were out setting the cones up outside. Others had been in here setting up these chairs in this room and in the other room. We had round tables for some things this past week and that had to be changed around and people were... Uh, being the body of Christ. Musicians were in here getting tuned up and practicing uh, when I arrived this morning. And there was lots of volunteers coming in with turquoise uh, shirts to serve in the kids' ministry. And in just a little while, we'll have dozens, probably well more than 100, who will be serving with the youth as they prepare for their many road trips, mission trips that'll be going out. And they're having a training today until 3.30. And so I was thinking, even today, this is the body of Christ at work And many of you have stepped into that. Some of you say, well, I'm not serving so much here, but I do go down to the Bridging for Tomorrow, BFT ministry. I serve the food ministry weekly, or I serve as a mentor, or maybe you serve in some other ministry. Maybe you're serving at the Bible Study Fellowship or any number of other ministries around. Marvelous. But I'll tell you what my concern is, and this is going to be the hardest part of the whole sermon, Okay, so buckle up, because here here comes. Here, here is what, as I was reflecting on this, the body of Christ, how you and I are called to be the body of Christ today, I do have a concern, and it is this, that there are a number of people in suburban America, right here in our midst, who have embraced a politic of libertarianism, now libertarianism is a very legitimate political position. So if you're a libertarian, more power to you. But what you got to realize is that your libertarianism cannot come in to the gospel. Your libertarianism can, cannot it has no place in the Christian gospel. Why? What is libertarianism about? Libertarianism about me, my rights, my liberties. That's what I want, okay? Now, mind you, don't think that in saying a a hard word about libertarianism that I'm saying, therefore, if you become a Democrat and liberal, that that's the biblical way. No, no, no. They have plenty of biblical issues on that side as well. There's not a political party that you can find in American politics that's going to sync up with the totality of Scripture, We just have to understand that. But I'm saying this because I do fear that particularly after the pandemic, I have seen some libertarianism slipping into the vocabulary of believers. And it goes like this. You know, let me illustrate. I I was taking my boys over to Great Clips to get their hair cut. and, um, And I asked the guy, a while back, how's your business coming back? He says, that's about two thirds back. He said, I don't know that we'll ever get the other third back. I said, well, how come? He said, well, they kind of learned how to do it themselves. I said, you know, isn't that interesting? Because I think there's many industries who would say similar sorts of things in the aftermath of the the pandemic. Far be it for the church to ever say that. But I do hear this. Maybe you've heard it as well. The believer who comes along and says, you know, during the pandemic, I kind of learned how to do it myself. I kind of learned how to do faith by myself. I got my Bible. I I know how to have a quiet time. I don't do it all the time, but I do it sometimes. And I got my podcast and I listen to this preacher and I listen to that interview. And, you know, that kind of feeds my soul. And I got my Jesus and I don't really need anybody else. And you have to realize, though you say, so I'm good. No, you're not good. The Bible says, no, there's nothing in scripture about libertarianism at all. In fact, if you were to read the magisterial uh, Gordon Fee and his book on Paul and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he writes to be saved for the apostle Paul meant to become part of the people of God who by the Spirit were born into God's family together and they were joined to one another as one body and their gatherings in the Spirit comprised the temple of God. They were coming into this new community in a church, Christian, hostile, Roman world 2,000 years ago, which our world is becoming more and more church hostile and Christian hostile. But we oughtn't be too upset or worried, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to us? Because that's how Christianity was born. And and so we're just almost going back to how Christianity was born, which is all the more reason that we have to fight this this libertarianism coming into the church. I'm not saying fight libertarianism. If that's your politic, that's your politic. But I'm telling uh, us, any of us who are libertarian in our politics, you have to have a firewall and understand that will not work with the gospel because never does Jesus come along and say, it's all about you, it's all about your individualism and your rights and all of it, no, never. He says, no, you're part of the body of Christ. Got it? So that's the hardest part of the sermon, but I just felt like I had to say that, and it's a particularly good time to say it because it's not a political season, so you don't need to write me letters and tell me who. (laughs) And so I'm getting more clever about these things. All right, so verse 15. Now, if the foot should stay because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all just one body part, where would the rest of the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Now, this is uh, the crux of what I wanted to get to, and that is you are a, a body part, so as it were, in the body of Christ. You're not just a spectator out there. Well, I, you know, I'm just nothing. I just go to church sometimes and listen in, and I like the music, and I like the sermon. And... No, 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 no. You're part of the body. If you've trusted in Christ, you are part of this living thing called the church, the body of Christ. Now, what I want to do is I want to run through some of the spiritual gifts. If you want to jot down four passages, these are the passages you can do your own study. First Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and First Peter 4. I'll do it again. Romans 12, First Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and First Peter 4. And in these four uh, uh, texts, you will find lists of various gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. Now, none of those lists in and of themselves are comprehensive as if these are all that the spiritual gifts are and there's nothing more and there's never any more of them. No, they're just representative and so we can cobble together by looking at all of them. We can cobble together a rather comprehensive list. But there's always ways that the Holy Spirit's going to work through us that might not be in this list. And so if you thought, but my, my gift isn't listed uh, in the inventory that we use. That's all right. You still keep doing what you've been doing. You're a part of the body of Christ. But what I want to do is use the spiritual gift inventory that Pastor Dan gave us two weeks ago. If you'll hold up your phone right here... I'm going to go through a couple dozen spiritual gifts right now, pretty quickly. So just grab this QR code and you can kind of follow along. And if you didn't take the inventory, you can do the inventory this afternoon. And I hope that you will do the inventory because what it'll do is it'll help surface to the top of the list. Oh, so here's my top several gifts. And if you never had that self-discovery, you need to have that self-discovery because you, y'all, are part of the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. Let's look at them. Uh, the, we'll take them in alphabetical order. Administration. What is administration? It's that gift that God gives to people who can just keep things going and running. And all the trains are working on time. And you can, you can see many things at the same time. And, and it just works. Some of you have a gift of administration. Administration. And then there's the apostle gift. What is that? That's the ability to start new ministries in different cultures. So uh, when I came here with no people and very little money 24 years ago to start FaithBridge, it was my apostle gift that was so excited about that. And it's one of the reasons that I spend two to three days per month training church planters, who now are living that dream out that I got to live out. And I get to help them shaping their vision and their plans and where they're going to go and how they're going to do it. And that's my apostleship gift to start new ministries. And then there's the craftsmanship gift. Some of you, you're very good. You're very creative. And you can can make things and they're crafty or you can hammer things and it, it actually makes sense. You hand me a hammer, you hand me a tool. I just stare at you because I won't know what to do with them and uh, I I couldn't make anything save my life but many of you you can and the body needs those gifts we need them around here there's discernment discernment is the ability it's important for me whenever I'm putting together a team I always want to know that there's a person or two who have a real gift of discernment that's just the ability to size up this is true that is not true it's important to, and some of you have a discernment gift. The gift of evangelism. We're racing through these, and, and let me just mention, to, 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 all of us are called to evangelize, right? All of us are called to share our faith. But some of you, you just are so naturally good at it. That's the evangelism gift coming out of you. You're just able to make conversations with anybody, and all of a sudden you weave in Jesus, and voila, there you are again. And that's your evangelism. The gift of exhortation, that's an encouragement gift. I love to be around people. My father-in-law, he's a great exhortation gift. To be around my father-in-law, you always come away just feeling more like you're great and wonderful and everything's going to be great and wonderful. The gift of faith. Uh, My wife has that gift of, 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 of just faith, of seeing God's at work and it's going to happen. And that helps with my melancholic personality because sometimes I'm like, oh. Is terrible. She's like, no, 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 but look what God's doing. And, and she, she helps me to see with eyes of faith. The gift of giving. Uh, that's, that, that's all of us, again, are, we're all called to give and we give back to God and all of that. But some of you, you just have a gift. You love to give extra and more and you, you're just very, and you love giving to this ministry and that ministry and those people and that cause and that's just a marvelous thing. Uh, the gift of giving, the gift of healing. Some of you might have the experience of, you know, I've prayed for people and they get healed. It doesn't mean that you're magical or that you can just like, and all of a sudden they're gonna be healed. But what it does mean is that sometimes God just works through certain people a little bit more. I was praying in a group some years ago uh, and mentioned, they said, how can we pray for you? And I said, my back's just been acting up. And even as that, that group was praying, this lady who I knew had the gift of healing, she said, oh, my hands are getting hot. I grabbed her hand, put it right on my back. She said, let's make it count, you know? And <laughs> it's because she just sometimes has that experience when she's praying. Uh, there's the gift of helps. That's just a very pedestrian Uh, I, I don't, I'll just roll up my sleeves and I can just, I think of my friend, Tom Reitmeier, who over the years he has helped here and there and the next place and, and all the, and you wouldn't probably know even who he is, but I'm telling you, if you took him out of everything and all those things that he had done over the years, you, you would notice there was a difference. He just has that gift of helping. Hospitality. Some of you have a real gift of hospitality. And it's always refreshing when you get to go into the home of somebody who has a gift of hospitality. It's a lot better than going into a collegiate's bachelor pad. Um, and because it just smells right and it looks right and it feels right. And, and you, you want to stay, you know, and that's the gift of Hospitality. And many times hosts of small groups have a gift of hospitality. They're like, I, I don't need to lead, but, but I could be a host. Okay, fantastic. Intercession. Uh, that's a prayer gift. Again, all of us are called to pray. Um, but some of you, you can't help yourself. You're just going to pray more and longer. And we'll have prayer partners up here in a little while when we come to the Lord's Supper. And we'll have prayer time as we've been having a lot of lately. And, and some of, those gift have, some of those people have that gift of intercession. They're just doing what God made them to do. The word of knowledge. Occasionally, there's a, a person who just, God just sort of gives them words of knowledge. This is not one of my top gifts. I have had the experience once, though, where he dropped it in me. I'll illustrate. I was, a man had come into to counsel. I don't do much of that at this point, but back then I was doing more. And he came in to meet with me. And... Uh, we talked for 15 minutes and 30 and 45, and I was like, where is this going? I don't understand why you, why you came in. And I'm praying, Lord, help him. I just feel like we're circling the island and there's no dock. And, and where are we going to go? And so right then as I prayed silently, I felt the word come to my mind, affair. And I said to him, wait, one moment. Just out of curiosity, did you come to me to talk about an extramarital affair that you're having? And this tear starts coming down his chair. He's like, I, I couldn't get there. Thinking to myself, I noticed. But <laughs> the Lord got us there. Now, trust me, I've never done that before. That's not how I start any counseling appointment, by the way. You know, it's Never. But right then God gave me a word of knowledge because I needed that word of knowledge. He needed, that man needed me to have that word of knowledge to help him along. The gift of leadership, that's the ability to lead things. Uh, that, that's, that's one of my top gifts. That combined with administration. I love organizational leadership. And so when I hear people say, you know what we like about Faith Bridge, it just everything runs correctly and efficiently and it's just music to my ears. And um, because I love uh, healthy leadership. And it just is so painful for me when I go in organizations that are not well led or into restaurants that are not well run. And I just, I've, sometimes I just look at Suzanne and I just feel like I need to go and coach them. And she's like, no, this isn't your place to coach, you know. And <laughs> this isn't your domain, but they need leadership. There's mercy and compassion gifts, some of you. Uh, you, when somebody says, I'm, I'm having surgery or I, I, this is broken in my life or my family, or, or you just are like, tell me more, how can I help? And you hug and you pray and you're c- c- crying with them. And that's a marvelous gift. Uh, and sometimes people in, uh, especially in chaplaincy ministry, hospital uh, sorts of things, that's, that's their gift. It's very, very important. Uh, gift of miracles, that's similar to the gift of healing. Uh, pastor-shepherd gift, that's, that's just, you know, a, a lot of times our, our better small group leaders have the gift of, of shepherding and pastoring. You give them, uh, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 people in a small group and um, they just say, you're in, you're in charge of these sheep. And they'll just be so good at that. The prophetic gift, that's a preaching gift uh, and that's the ability I think of, of of some of our really great preachers, like Steve Carter or uh, the inimitable uh, Ben Stewart. Who you know, when he preaches, it's just he just kind of brings you out, and you have this out of body experience as he's preaching the text, and and whirls you around, and then sets you back down. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's the preaching gift, the prophetic gift coming out there, the serving gift, service. That's similar to helps. Um, people who just say, you know what? I don't need to lead anything, but I'll just roll up my sleeves. I would love to serve. And th- th- so much of what I was illustrating earlier that's happening here every week, it's, it's the serving gift, the teaching gift. You know what? I'm talking about teaching. Um, I, I'm thinking of Sherry Torbert. She's in our church. She and Rod have been here forever. And she has a teaching gift and a counseling gift as well. But she wrote a book, uh, called Seven Love Languages of the Holy Spirit. It's relevant to what we're talking about, especially if you're a parent or a spouse, because she, she sort of talks about the love languages and spiritual gifts. And it's a clever little book, what she's done. And I would recommend it. In fact, I told her, hey, that's, that's good teaching. Why don't you, would you set up a little stand and uh, she'll, she'll just make these available for you uh, if you go out and you could uh, pick one of these up. So why don't you do that? I don't, there is some fee. I don't remember what the fee is, but, but um, that's Sherry using her teaching gift, the gift of tongues and interpretation. That's a very legitimate gift. You'll see it manifested more in corporate worship in charismatic or Pentecostal churches than here. No less real, and some of you have that gift of tongues and interpretation, Uh, The gift of wisdom. One of the reasons is that I I love Pastor Dan, and I love to have Pastor Dan, uh, and and I'll call him anytime I'm making a big decision, is because I just know he will have wisdom. And I'll say, let me try this out on you. And he'll listen and he'll say, well, brother, boom. Have you thought about this? And there's there's just wisdom. Um, And so there you go. Now, Here's, here's what I want you to do. Put the QR code up again. Could you please do that? And if you didn't get to do the inventory, why don't you take 10 minutes this afternoon and do the, the inventory and it will help you identify, here's what your top two or three gifts are. And, and that's, a, that's an exciting thing to start to, to figure out. Now, what would the church look like if we were all using our gifts the way God intended? Let's listen to uh, one of our elders, Stephen Hall, and his wife Laurel, as they talk about it. Take a look.
0: My name is Stephen Hall, and my wife is Laurel Hall, and we've been coming to Faith since 2011.
2: My parents were—they um, were just diligent workers, and of the generation where um, kind of that Puritan work ethic, where you just you just get in there and you say yes, and you do, and you you. You work for the benefit of the good of the body. So I think that's kind of in my DNA. And I think God knows that too. When we took the spiritual gift survey or assessment in our former church membership, you know, 20, 25 years ago, I had not really heard of that. And my parents are such (laughs) doers. Uh, They just raised us and modeled for us to, that you just serve in the church. So that was modeled for me, and I think that I just felt like that was just, I just kind of follow in the path of how my parents did church. So the idea of God gifting me in a unique way was was kind of a new thought.
0: Probably, the, the not unlike Laurel, when, when I probably took the first quiz or assessment some years ago and just began to even think about what is a spiritual gift? And as a matter of fact, it probably isn't until recent years that I've probably gotten off this idea that it's uh, it's just strictly our, my talent and my ability, and and uh, uh, boy, I'm really good at that, so that's, that's why God gave it to me or something, I don't know. But now it's really, it's more like it's a gift, and really the focus of it is on, should be, and I've come to realize it's on the giver and then how we use it, you know, how we utilize it, whether it be uh, service or teaching, uh, or in my case, I guess, I, it, it used to be it used to be faith, and now faith that doesn't even register, so apparently I've lost my faith. <laughs> but I, uh, I, I'm working on it to get that back. But anyway, no, uh, now it seems to have uh, uh, registered more with uh, hospitality and exhortation.
2: When he comes into a room, his goal is kind of to make people feel comfortable. He has a great sense of humor and, he, and the Lord gave him that and and his dad had a great sense of humor. And so it's, it's in their personalities. And I think he uses that to, to make people feel more comfortable. And he also is always very positive and encouraging. So I feel like those two gifts are really seen in him and how he interacts with people and how he if he sits on a board or or is in a group around a table, I think it's obvious to, that that's there because that's just who he is. I do think that our gifts work together in that I'm probably more <clears throat> the Martha and he's more the Mary in the, in the relationship. He's more about the people, I'm more about the doing. But I do think yes, they can work they can work together beautifully, and that's yeah. how the Lord designs us and mm-hmm. puts us together mm-hmm. so that we can encourage people and help people.
0: I think the elders would hope that people would take the assessment and determine that I'm going to look at that uh, connect card next week or the next time I'm here and maybe if I've got an interest in something that look, might, might fit with what the assessment says is one of my gifts I might check the
2: box. I love being trained and feeling equipped for where I'm going to serve, and Faith Bridge is a great church to provide that kind of training. It's always excellent, but then I also feel like when we're serving or leading or teaching that there's always things that come up that are unexpected, and I think what grows me a lot is when those little unexpected moments come up and the Holy Spirit sort of fills that gap of what was being trained or what was taught or how I was informed and then how um, the Holy Spirit kind of does a work that you just didn't expect.
0: Like Ken likes to say, no one, none of us has to do everything but all of us can do a little something and there's a lot of all of us here at Faith Bridge. Uh, uh, take the assessment, learn what your gifts are if you don't already know and then use them. Use one. Try them out. Exercise them. I just think that's kind of why the Lord gives them to us. So the Holy Spirit gives us these gifts is to uh, not just to observe them, but to to use them. So that's what I would hope.
1: Into that. Yeah. Look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. What's he saying here? He's saying, thirdly, unity is essential Unity among all the parts, that's key to success, essential to our success. Just like when you watch a sports team, you watch a great basketball team and, and the, the smoothness with which they operate, the passes, the alley hoops, and we'll see that with March Madness coming up or, or football teams that you know get to the Super Bowl and, and you're just like, wow, how they work together. Or if you're a musician, There's not a whole lot of clarity that comes if you walk into the practice room of an oboe player and you listen to the oboe part, you're like, hmm, that'll be interesting. Or the timpani by himself, you know, or the viola by itself. But you put them all on the stage together and you cue the orchestra to play the whole piece together with each of them bringing in their parts at the right time. It's magnificent what can happen? And that's how it is with the body of Christ. You might feel like, well, I'm just an oboe, you know, but, but you, you bring that in with all of the other parts and, and, and it really begins to make something that is beautiful and uh, momentous. And you know what the net result is? I'll tell you, it's something we've been talking about. It's revival. Wherever you look throughout history and you see revival, You see, the body of Christ had come together. They put aside differences. There was humility. And there was serving alongside each other. That's integral uh, to it. One last thing. And that is verse 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. The fourth and final thing is the reason we serve one another is because we love Jesus. Why do we do it? Out of guilt? No, 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 no. We do it because we love Jesus. Once the gospel has gotten into you, once you've realized that God had mercy on you and on me and came and lived the sinless life we couldn't live and died the death that you deserved and I deserved, taking our punishment in our place and then conquered the grave on the third day that we could have never conquered once that begins to get into you, you're like, I have to pass that on. That kind of love gets inside of us and changes us from the inside out. So there's this verse that says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, here's what you have to realize. That verse didn't go the way that the original readers would have thought. If you're familiar with the verse, you know the verse. But see, the, the average reader would have thought that John was going to say, by this, everybody will know if you're, that you're my disciples if you love me. This is Jesus talking. Everybody will know that you're my disciples if you love me, right? That's what you think he would have said. And he would have been right to say that. But he said, no, 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 no. that's not how they'll know. The world will know that you're my disciples if you love me. One another. This is the key to the power in the body of Christ. This is the key to the onlooking world looking at us and saying, Huh, now you're catching my attention. Now there is something unique and distinct. See, I'm afraid that if American evangelicalism has gotten flat, it is for the reason that I talked about earlier and won't rehearse that again. But subsequently, there, there's nothing that is ringing with that clarion uh, c- uh, call to the onlooking world saying, I have got to come in and be a part of that, which is what makes revival so powerful when they start to say, huh, now that's catching my attention. And so whoever believes in the sun has eternal life, but whoever rejects the sun won't see life. So we come because we have life. And we serve one another. Why do we do it? Because our Savior is one who did that first. And he gave us a tangible reminder of it. And he said, this is my body. And it's broken for you. And I want you to take it and eat it. And as you do, you'll remember what I did. And my love for you. So that you might, in turn, love others. Serving them. And... Then he took the cup, and he said, "This is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. I want you to take it and drink it, and as you do you 'll remember me and so we 're going to come to the lord 's supper, and um, I'm going to ask the prayer partners if if you would uh, come up and make yourselves available and in the first service, we had plenty of people who wanted prayer, and we 'd love to pray." for you as you come. In this room, uh, you'll be guided by ushers. Everywhere else, you'll come as you feel led. We use the gluten-free cracker and you can just dip it into the grape juice and partake. And I'm gonna invite you, uh, even this morning when JD and I were texting, he said, you know, I think it's all in the word lingering. It was those 19 people who lingered, Ken. And I saw a lingering spirit last week when I was at Faith Bridge. I'm gonna invite you to linger, not just to rush, because I think we become a hard target for God to do a powerful thing if we just keep rushing. Why don't you linger a little bit longer and let's just sing and let's let him work inside of us, work on the things that we've talked about. And let's meet with him now. Lord, won't you come as we take these elements commune with you, we ask that you would commune with each of us. We pray these in your strong name, Jesus. Amen.